Hey y'all, and welcome to the 8% Club, the podcast with four women of color sharing our unique law school journeys. You have me, Faye, from Legally Lost, Jackie from Jackie's JD, Lex from Lex Does Law School, and Sara from Jagged Little JD. Coming together to cultivate a space for other 8%ers to talk about our journey to becoming attorneys. You know what? I'm not going to waste any more time. So let's just get into this new episode. Okay, you guys, welcome back to our very last episode of season one of the 8% Club. It is literally insane to think that this is our 20th episode, that we started this in January and six months later, we're here with almost 2,000 followers. I should have checked our streams before um, we started, but I know we're getting close to 10,000 streams. So it's just literally insane that all of this has happened. And if you've been with us from the start, you know that Maddie from At Thriving in Law was our very first guest. So it only felt right to kind of end the season and end our send-off series with her because she is a former law student. She's a big law associate. She's an adjunct professor at a law school. So she has so much knowledge to give us. And today we're just going to kind of pick her brain as um, future one else in just a couple of week. So just to start out, Faye, Sara, Jackie couldn't be with us today. Tell me, how's it looking as you're getting so ready to start? When do you move? When's your first day of class? Like as we get more information, what are you excited for? What are you nervous for? Faye, let me know. So, hey y'all, it's been a minute. Let's see. I'm looking at the schedule and everything. I move August 6th. Um, I feel like I'm the last one out of the group that's like moving, moving. Um, I don't know, it's been a minute. But my orientation starts on the 11th and it's all the way through like the 16th. So I'm excited about that. Um, According to all the past classes, there has never been an orientation that was more than two days long. So for it to be four-ish days, is pretty exciting for me. We've had to, um, we've been receiving emails every week since about early May about my class, what it looks like. We're in a group me now, we're talking, we're linking up. Um, I guess the most exciting part for me is my community kind of like made our own group me. We were all on the same page and we're like, hey, it's not a lot of us. And, I, and I, I expected that, but I guess a few weeks ago, there was like a post talking about the widest law schools um, and South Carolina was one of them. And I was like, okay, law schools predominantly white. No, throwing, th- being thrown in, all I see is white and that's fine. But I was shocked at how many of us that are so little of blacks uh, and, and, and Native American and Asian Pacific. So all of that. So we're creating a link up together. Um, and I just can't wait. So as soon as I get down to South Carolina, Columbia and on August 6th, that's what I'll be doing. But other than that, I've been working as y'all know, I'm going to, I'm going to (laughs) quit. So that's pretty much me, but Sara, what about you? Like what's going on? I know school be forever. So what's, what's going on with you getting ready to make the big move? Yes, so I finally got my final rejection for a law school. Um, I'm doing a peace sign, but you can't see. But anyway, it's all good. I'm really happy with the school that I'm going to be attending. So it's no big that the waitlist didn't end up the way that I wanted it to. Um, but I'm moving. 
sooner than I thought. I'm moving in less than a month. And I have little to nothing prepared. I feel like it's really funny because like Lex is moving sooner than me. And she has like pretty much everything planned to a T, but she's so much more stressed than I am. And I have like less figured out. And I'm just kind of like, well, there's nothing I can do. I just have to like hit the ground running once I get there. And I think that I'm going to be fine. I don't know why I'm so calm. Maybe I'll be more stressed once I actually get there, but I will keep you guys posted on how my move goes. My orientation starts on the 16th. So wherever phase leaves off, I guess. Um, I'll be starting off and I'm really excited for orientation. I don't really know what to expect yet. Also, we finally got full confirmation that all of our classes are going to be in person. Um, so that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, definitely my anxiety ebbs and flows like a month ago, I wasn't that nervous, but now I have 13 days and I have stuff everywhere and I have confirmations for things and, I'm excited because a lot of my class like did move early. So I've already got like some like little outings and things planned. And like, we have like um, a group me with administrators. So then we have like a discord that's not, that doesn't have any like faculty in it. And we've planned like some fun work calls and things. So I'm excited about that. Um, I think I start earlier than you guys because my orientation is August 9th and it's a whole week. I don't know about a whole week orientation. <laughs> that seems like a lot, but I'm sure there'll be a lot. And we actually start classes. So I'll start one, my legal research and writing class that week. And then August 16th, when you guys are in orientation, I will be in my first day of big girl law school classes. So that's a lot. And then I think we start recording the pod on August 15th again, which is um, the day before our like, classes and orientation for us. So that's like a lot of nerves. I think that's going to be a fun one to record. Um, but now Maddie, I'm curious, think back, like this time when you were before one L, like, what were you doing? And like, if you could look at yourself then and tell yourself something, what would it be? Oh my gosh. Well, as I'm listening to you guys talk, I mean, I'm getting that like jittery feeling that I had the summer before law school. Um, as far as what I was doing, I wasn't really doing anything. I mean, I was working probably 60 hours a week at my restaurant job, but wasn't taking a prep class. Um, I wasn't super methodical or organized with my moving. It was only on my drive from Minnesota to Virginia that I realized you have to set up utilities. And I was in the car frantically realizing like, I can, I'm going to get to my apartment and there's not going to be internet or, you know, electricity. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't do a darn thing to prepare other than pack my stuff up and go. Um, as far as what I wish I could tell myself, I mean, I would just tell myself this experience is not going to be exactly what you're expecting, but everything is going to be super okay. You will find your people, you will settle into your classes, you're going to spend the first two weeks thinking you should just drop out, but don't do it and trust yourself and you belong here, you're not an imposter, and it's all going to be okay. That is very good advice. I see that you have on a hat right now with Virginia on it. So I think that really goes to show that you had a good law school experience if you're still willing to wear a hat with Virginia on it. Like it, it didn't leave you hating it. Um, For sure. I, I don't know if I'll have a hat with George on it. I've lived here my whole life. <laughs> I'm definitely not one of those people that leaves law school and says to everyone, don't go to law school, don't become a lawyer. I certainly don't think everyone should do it, but it's a good experience if it's, if, and it's the right fit for some people and it leads to a lot of cool opportunities. And I'm, I just feel so thankful. 
So one of those cool opportunities, I guess, that you've had is that now you actually get to teach law students like us. So like, what are some things that you notice about first year law students that maybe you didn't notice about yourself at the time? Hmm. That's a good question. So yeah, not only do I teach law students, but I teach first semester 1Ls. And so I, I see so much of myself in them. And I, I make it my goal to meet with every student before the semester starts to talk about any questions or concerns they have. And the number one thing I say to my students is this is going to be hard, but it's just hard because it's hard. When you go to your class and you feel like you don't understand anything or you read a case and it just went over your head, that doesn't mean that you're not smart. It doesn't mean that you picked the wrong career path or you made a mistake. It's simply hard because it's hard. And so I I just, I love working with 1Ls because I like to be kind of a voice of reason in their lives and remind them that they are here for a reason. And I also just love working with people who are at the beginning of their legal career, similar to me, I'm not that far out of law school. And there's just so many possibilities and so many dreams and passions, and it's just all really exciting. So um, <laughs> that's so cool that you're working with one else. <laughs> um, I, guess, I guess as I'm preparing for law school, I'm trying to picture the worst thing possible to happen. I don't know why. Okay, I'm crazy, y'all. I'm trying to prepare myself, and by me preparing, I have to think about all the worst things that could happen. But honestly, I, I can't even picture it. Um, a lot of people say, like, you're just going to have to, like, go through it to understand what the heck we're talking about and what we mean by this is truly a haze. But, Maddie, can you please tell me, like, what is the... What is the what is so hard? What am I about to hit? What am I about to come confront? Like what what is the worst thing possible that I should be prepared for? Thanks. Well, I think you face specifically may not face the same like learning curve that I did because you've been immersed in the world of the law. So you're going to hear words that you've heard before. Whereas for me, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't do pre-law. I never worked at a law firm. Um, I was hearing all these crazy words that I never heard. And I just felt, and I think this is the imposter syndrome as I felt like everyone else knew what those words were and what they were doing and how to read and brief the case. And I just had no idea. And so there's this, um, there is that natural learning curve that, you know, even, even if you, and this is another thing I tell my law students to be prepared for is law school is going to make you feel like you're not a good reader or writer. And that's not true. You may be an excellent communicator and a really strong reader and an excellent writer. Um, but reading cases is different than reading a soci sociology textbook or, a, you know, a nonfiction, nonfiction book. Um, writing a memo is really different than any paper you've ever written in college. Um, so it's just, it's, it's almost like you're going to school to learn a completely new language. So you're, you're going to school in Italian almost, and it, it's just going to feel like different, but it's so, so learnable and you're going to make mistakes like you're going to read the wrong case for class and then you get called on and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even read the right case. Or something that happens to me every time I'm called on, whether it's from a professor or a judge, I just black out. 
Like I know that words come out of my mouth because like I, I feel it happening, but I have no awareness of what I'm saying. And at the end of it, like I wake up and I and it's over and it's so crazy. But <laughs> all of that to say, like you're going to say silly things in your cold call or you'll you'll have nothing to say. And uh, or, you know, like I said, you'll read the wrong case. Like it's all going to be OK. Um, and so those are some of the scariest things for me going into it. But I'm telling you, even if you read the wrong case, even if your cold call is crap or your mem- the first memo you turn in for your legal writing class is absolute garbage, like that's okay because you're not supposed to be perfect from day one. I kind of have a question. Um, in terms of kind of the culture of law school, I know that people kind of tend to get swept up in it and kind of alienated from other aspects of life in general. And I think that that's something that happens especially during 1L year because grades are so important and on and on and on but you've sort of branded yourself as this person who's in big law, but who's also anti-hustle culture and is pro boundaries. How do we know how to set boundaries? When do we know when to say no to certain things? How, what was your process like trying to figure out how to navigate kind of this high pressure, stressful environment and putting yourself first? Mm, That's a really good question. I think I would start with like your physical and your mental health. And so boundaries such as, and it's going to look different for everyone, but you know, maybe you, unless there's an emergency or you're extremely behind, you say like, I'm closing down the computer and shutting the books at 10 PM. Or if you're not a morning person, you say, I will not study before 10 AM, whatever that looks like for you. Or, you know, maybe you like for you, meals are off limits. You will only eat and watch TV and talk to your parents but you will not study while you eat. Um, and you can, you can try different things out and figure out what works. But I, I think that when you're navigating high pressure and new environments, I think that the, the primary thing is your physical and your mental health. Um, and so things like getting a therapist, making sure you get your regular checkups, go to the doctor if you're sick. Um, I think we've all learned that from the last year. Um, and then just things like, Like if you've ever taken a yoga class, they often say, keep your eyes on your own mat. And I think that is huge for being in law school. You certainly can, you can and should use the people around you as resources. And hopefully you'll be at schools where people share outlines and share notes from class and give each other tips. But regardless, you have to do what works for you. So for me, I'm not a library studier because if you tell me to be quiet, I do not want to be quiet. And I just want to talk to my friends. So I had to like put my head down and study in my room and then I can go and hang out with friends. Um, but then I would feel bad because other people would be in the library all the time. Like after three years of law school, I could not, I do not know my way around the library. Like, I don't know where all the, the books are and all the, like the cool tables. Cause I just didn't go in the library. Um, but I felt this pressure, like all of the kids who have the best cold calls, I see them in the library before class, after class on the weekends, um, things like that. So just putting your head down and focusing on what works for you, regardless of what works for other people. And that goes for things like outlining. I recommend that everyone assume that you should try outlining as your study method, but it's not going to work for everyone. Some people are like flashcard geniuses. And so those people should not give a single care about whether everyone else is outlining and how far they are because they're doing their flashcards and Um, And that works for them. And so I think it's important to remember that 
even the people who have gone are going to law school with both of their parents are lawyers and they were a legal assistant for four years and this and that. Um, they're still doing law school for the first time, just like you are. And so they truly don't know any better than you. And so it, for me, boundaries ultimately come down to like, how can I protect what I need, regardless of what, what other people think about that or how they react to it. That's so good because I think it's easy to get swept up in that, oh, this is the perfect law student. And they start outlining the second day of class and they're in a study group and they wake up at 5 a.m. and have like fruit or whatever, you know, like <laughs> they do all these things, you know, they're very perfect. And I think that's just another way that imposter syndrome can creep in. Like it's not always the people in class with the great answers. It's just seeing how people mm -hmm. live their lives. And you're like, Ooh, maybe I should be doing that. But the truth is, I feel like you said, we're all novices, honestly, like none of us know any more, any better. And to just like, let it go. Another thing that we all like here at the 8% club are school supplies. So I'm curious to know what were like your ride or die law school supplies. Um, for me, it was a laptop that I can trust and that. So for me, I, I had a MacBook. I had one all through college. I got a new one just before law school, um, a book stand for sure. Some people take a book stand to class and it's, it's not a bad idea, but for me, mine pretty much lived at home. It doesn't have to be anything crazy or fancy, but your neck will hurt so bad if you're constantly looking down at your textbooks and it makes it harder to type notes and read at the same time. So Good book stand, um, pens that you really like. I know many of you are, are quality pen fans. I think that makes a big difference. And then finally, like a really good planner system. Even if you have to shell out money for it, you have to pick something that will work for you. So I like to use a combination of Google Calendar and a paper planner. And I, in law school, was the time when I started spending 50, 60 bucks a year on a really nice planner that was organized how I like with really smooth paper. Um, so yeah, those, those were the key ones for me. So you mentioned planners and like, what do you have like any, like, what are your top planning tips? I guess, like, I know everyone plans differently, but there, are, I know you made a really good post about it, but like what things do you feel like really help you and could be kind of universal and help other people too? Um, well, for me, using two systems works really well. And like you said, I, I have a post about this, but the gist of it is that I keep everything in my Google calendar. At the beginning of the semester, I plug in all my classes and I put the classroom. So I always know where I'm headed next. And it gives me that 15 minute reminder on my phone. So I know if I'm about to be late to be somewhere. Um, so that was kind of my home base for everything. And then every like Sunday night, and I still do this now as, as an attorney, this is still my routine. Every Sunday night, I sit down and I get out my, my spread for the next week and I manually write down my to-do list, my appointments, meetings, um, all that good stuff, trips to Costco. Um, and that just helps both because I like having paper, I'm just old fashioned in that way, but the physical act of writing, just like when you're taking notes, um, it helps reinforce things. And it also helps me to be intentional with my time. It makes me feel like I'm choosing my schedule. So what I like to do is I put in the necessities first. So like you have to go to class. Like, I guess you don't really have to, I didn't go to class so much after one L, but you're supposed to go to class and you're paying for it. And then, you know, for me, I have conference calls I can't miss, but you know, then once I've got the, the things that I can't miss in there, then I plan myself first. So I pick when, when am I going to the gym? 
When am I going grocery shopping? What time am I going to cook lunch? When am I going to see my parents and stuff like that? And then that forces everything else to fall into place, which is another example of boundaries. It's just, I like, this is my gym time. It's not negotiable. Um, other people might think that it is, but for me, my health and my mental health, those are not to be touched. And so, you know, you can't schedule a conference call for me when I'm trying to be at the gym, things like that. I love that. I love that so much. And I guess on, on the topic of managing time and planning everything out, there's a couple of things that I'm already like noticing that is not in my syllabi or my hypothetical syllabi, such as networking. And how important is it to network your 1L year, specifically the first semester? I'm hearing mixed things like don't worry about it till second semester, but then yet you're applying for summer jobs by January. So make it make sense. How do I do it all? <laughs> Good question. I would not worry about it too much up through finals. So if your school puts on a networking event, if you have time for it and you have the energy and the willingness to be around strangers, then go for it. So law school is nice because some of these things are built in, like your school will bring in law firms to host a happy hour and you mingle with them. So you don't have to go to all of them. If you could at least go to one, I think that would be great. But don't don't be that person that thinks that you have to be at every single networking event. Otherwise, you won't get a job because that's just not the case. Um, to be honest, I don't think I went to any networking events that first semester. I truly don't think I did anything networking related. I was just trying to keep my head above water and read my uh, cases for class. Um, so if you're in the same boat, that's okay. So you'll probably get about a month off for winter break. And that is a great time first to rest and decompress and acknowledge that you literally sprinted a marathon um, and you're amazing. And then that is the time when you'll start submitting applications for your summer jobs. Um, and so what goes hand in hand with just writing up your resume and getting it out the door is networking. So scheduling phone calls or in-person meetings, whatever works based on your situation, but just reaching out to people. Um, you can do that through your school's alumni network. You can do that through connections you already have. You can send random people messages on LinkedIn. You can just go look at firms' websites and most firms list the biographies of all the lawyers. So maybe you find someone that played tennis and you play tennis or someone that went to the same college or law school as you. Um, so I... I really wouldn't focus too much on it for that first semester, but definitely winter break is a good time to plug into that. And then, um, and that's all for the hopes of getting that 1L job. And then even that spring, spring of 1L, especially if you're someone that's trying to go through OCI and enter the private sector, that's when you'll start networking for that 2L summer job. So again, going to mixers and um, happy hours put on by your law school, maybe going to job fairs, um, and then continuing to do networking, phone calls, and meetings. I have a question that I think you might be able to answer as someone who does a little bit of work with the summer associates at your firm, right? Yeah. What do big law firms and law firms in general kind of look for in those 1L summer candidates? Sure. So. From my perspective as someone who interviews, by the time your resume is on my desk, I, you've already been screened out for, you know, this person has 
a good GPA, and I don't even know what a good GPA is. It's obviously going to be different for every school. So um, the higher ranked the school, the lower your GPA may is allowed to be, um, especially in big law. So um, once your resume hits my inbox, I'm assuming you are well qualified. You are very smart. So what I'm looking for is that you can hold a conversation. So a good example that we often talk about is, could you trust this person to be left alone in a conference room with your client? And I generally, I'm someone who pretty much loves everyone I interview, but there have been some candidates where that, and I know everyone's nervous and I, you know, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt, but there's so much uncomfortable silence and nervous laughter that I would never leave this person alone with one of my clients. Um, so that's kind of a good threshold to think of. So that means that you are friendly, you are able to carry in a conversation, which means that you have answers prepared to questions that you should reasonably expect. So your answers shouldn't be robotic, you shouldn't be reading from a piece of paper, but you should answer some questions, be able to answer basic questions like, why did you go to law school? Why did you pick this law school? Why do you wanna work here? Um, things like that. And I think I have a list of sample interview questions somewhere on my Instagram feed. Um, but also we're looking for things like, can you an ask thoughtful questions? So the questions that our candidates ask me, that says a lot about them and what their priorities are and how much research they've done. Because if they're asking me, what kind of work does your firm do? That's a fair question, but not in an interview. You need to come to this interview prepared with knowing what my firm does and what I individually do. Um, so you need to be good at asking questions. I also want to know that you have a personality. Um, no matter the field of law that you're in, whether you are trying to go in-house or work at a law firm, work for the government, whatever it might be, it will involve late nights at some point and in some form. And I want to know that I can have a good experience working a late night with you, which means that you're reliable, you are um, a team player, a hard worker, but also that you're just a pleasant person. I don't want to work with a bunch of gunners who are going to stab each other in the back. Um, so in essence, be a normal person who is friendly and easy to talk to. I think that that's such good advice and something that you need to hear. I know that um, when I first started doing like networking at events in college and undergrad, two of my very favorite professors, they would force us to have like lunch and learns and things like that with these very high profile people. And they're like, we understand that a lot of you guys um, don't have that access. And so the whole entire point of us having these and they would, we literally had to go or we'd get docked from our grade was to just see that they're regular people. Like we're regular people, you know, underneath. And like, if someone told me about Maddie before ever having known her anything, and they told me that she went to a very prestigious law school and then she's a big law associate and she's also a professor, you would be like, so nervous, you know? And then like, you talk to her and you're like, oh, wow, she's, she's cool. You know, she's, a lot, she's more like me than she's not like me. And that was the case yeah. for a lot of these people. And I think that's something good to remember. And I think that, again, that's something that you just have to like, I think that can kind of help with your imposter syndrome too. But I want to switch gears completely because even with all that in mind, talking about grades and the curve and networking still like, doesn't bring me calm energy. It doesn't necessarily bring me like terrible, but it's not the happiest. Yeah. And so I want to know, like, how can we combat that? Like what's in your, your world, what are some really good self-love self-care practices for one else? So like after all these things come and yeah, you do good, but it still takes a lot out of you, you know, like what can mm -hmm. you do to recharge? 
Yeah, I would say a universal rule is to trust yourself and know what's worked for you in the past. Anyone who's listening, you've either gone to school or worked or both, and you hopefully have learned some lessons from from that and you know what feels good to you and what doesn't feel so good. Um, I suggest that law students, if you can, find ways to take time off, which doesn't mean not going to class, but if you can find two days each month where you don't study at all, ideally one day a week, but that's that's just hard in 1L. Even if you can say like Sunday afternoons or Saturday mornings until one o'clock off limits, like find ways to give yourself breaks and do things that aren't related to law school. So not doing journal stuff, not doing student organization stuff, like going to go to a park or painting or whatever. Um, so finding ways to maintain normalcy for yourself and remind yourself that you are a human and not just a law robot. Um, so for me, I would often with my roommate, we, you know, we get out of class around two, three o'clock on Fridays, and then we go hiking. So we, we lived near the Blue Ridge Mountains. So we would go out hiking and then we go to Costco, get a slice of pizza, and then we eat ice cream on the couch and watch Bob's Burgers or Friday Night Lights. And that was just so healing and normal and amazing to me. Um, I mean, I also think your sleep schedule is super important. Um, I wish I had been going to therapy in law school, but I, I hadn't started yet. So I would say get yourself into some regular therapy. Um, call your parents if, if you have a good relationship with them and stay in touch with people. And I know that at least a few of you have significant others. And so prioritizing those relationships and your friends from home or the friends from your life before law school, it's, you know, it's good to focus on making new friends in law school, but don't forget to keep in touch with the people who've been there with you uh, since day one. Um, yeah. And then just try new things. Like for me, I've always been someone that's afraid to do something new if I don't have a friend trying it out with me, if that makes sense. But uh, the best thing I did was in law school, start volunteering at the animal shelter, even though I didn't have a, like a buddy to do it with. I just signed up and I took the class and then I started walking dogs. And before I knew I was there like 12 to 15 hours a week, just because it felt so good to me. I got to interact with furry creatures. I got to interact with humans who are not lawyers or law students. And it just, it, it was good for my mental health to get the physical activity, to get the fresh air, to play with animals. Um, and I'm, I was absolutely okay exchanging that study time to be uh, walking dogs. So rely on your old hobbies and cultivate new ones. Um, I guess the theme of today is just be a normal person, which doesn't mean like you have to fit into some normal box, but like be your definition of like the normal version of you. Like don't turn into some crazy psycho law robot that doesn't sleep and is always thinking about like, is this person going to be ranked higher than me? Like, no, take care of yourself and be good to yourself. I feel like I'm preaching. No, it's necessary. And that's exactly what we want on the send off series. And so you just mentioned about like grades and rank. And I think that maybe if you're first gen and you have no idea about law school, you don't realize like the weight of that rank. I know I did it until like getting more immersed in the world or like even the fact that, um, friends may choose not to share their grades with each other because 
of the competition and everything. So can you maybe like talk a little about that and like maybe I'm not saying you need to preach or ease anxieties, but just be realistic about like how that is, you know? Um, so as far as like handling like the greeting process and like, yeah. And just like, yeah, the competitiveness that I guess people don't realize that I never realized like, Hey, I might, well, first of all, I guess in undergrad, I never even was like, Oh yeah, I made this grade on that, but grades didn't matter. Like they do in law school. And the fact that people choose like not to share that or to share that, um, just kind of like how that's different than undergrad, I guess. Yeah. So I would say, and you know, this kind of goes back to boundaries and, you know, and this is an example of boundaries with other people. If it's your preference not to talk about grades or even things like, like, for example, when I get out of, out of an exam, it's most likely going to have been very difficult for me. And I don't want to hear from other people that that was so easy or like, they feel like they did so well. And I will always be happy for you if you do a good job and get good grades, but I don't need to know that the thing that I thought was miserable was just a breeze for you. So consider having that conversation in in advance with the people that you're close to and say like, I don't want to talk about how the exam was. And I don't want to, like, I don't want to know if you thought it was easy or hard. I don't want to hear what answer you gave and how that was different from my answer. And then, you know, and and I don't, I don't want to talk about grades. Now, generally I am an open book. Um, So for example, I work at a firm, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but whatever. I work at a firm where salaries are not, they start standardized, but then the rest is individualized and it's supposed to be private. Um, But amongst my close group of friends, we share our salary numbers and that's not for competitiveness. It's to give us information about how we are valued by the firm. And I think that, and I, if I had to, I would say this to the head of my firm. I think that transparency when it comes to compensation is especially important when it comes to people of color and women, and especially women of color. So that's why I talk about that. But that to me, that's different than talking about grades because if you tell me you got an A and I got a B, that doesn't give me any information about myself. It just tells me that you got an A and I got a B. It's it's not helpful. It's not necessarily harmful, but I guess all of that to say, decide what you're comfortable with. And to me, sharing grades is not going to be helpful for most people because it's it's not going to change anything for you. Um, yeah. And then I would understand that 1L grades are very, very important but you will learn from semester one what to do differently in semester two. So if 1L doesn't go how you expected, um, you like that's not the end of the road for you. Um, and so learn your lessons from that and pat yourself on the back because even if you got a C and everything, you still got a C in law school and that's hard. Um, but yeah, I went to a school that didn't have class ranking or anything like that. I mean, I could tell, I think our curve was set around 3.3. So I could tell based on the grades I was getting kind of generally where I stand compared to my peers, but my roommate and I, like, I don't know what grades she got. I don't know what her GPA was. Um, and it, and it makes no difference for me because there's a seat at the table for everyone, which isn't to say that everyone can get the perfect job that they've always dreamed of. But there is room for everyone, and it's just not helpful to be trying to measure up everything against, like, how your peers are doing. Yeah, you you preaching, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm naturally competitive, but it's crazy because uh, I'm naturally, like, it's, 
I'm dealing with someone who's also in the legal field. Granted, we're apart in grades. However, I still treat you as a competition because you're in the place that I want to be. Mm. So, um, I guess I like how you and your roommate kind of don't talk about that. But, sorry, this might not be on the podcast, but the point is, how do you even have this conversation with someone where you bonded? This is what you, this is what you kind of like, what, what created the relationship. I guess, like, basically knowing, like, your per- half of your personality is law, law school, in a sense. And not to talk about it, it's like, I guess there's other things in the world to talk about, yes. But we all know what we really want to talk about and just having that person to, like, lay off some stress and hopefully relate to, but the fear of you're going to be comparing yourself. Anyway. That was and some of that, I think, is natural, like... Even if you set it off limits, like we're not going to talk about how that exam went and I don't want to know what your grades are. You might still be kind of doing a little bit of like of comparison. I mean, I, I certainly like I was for my roommate and I didn't feel competitive with her in the sense of like, I wanted to be better than her, but I would do a little bit of measuring in terms of how far is she and her outlines and like how many pages has she read for next class? Because um, we had a lot of the same classes. And so there, there is a little bit of that that goes on. Um, and I don't think it means that you can't talk about law or law school with people. And, and I, I think that you should, because like you said, you're going, you're kind of going, and I think you said hazing at the beginning, like, and that's so true. Like you are all collectively being hazed and a little bit traumatized. Like you should talk to each other. Um, but you can put certain things off limits if you feel it would be helpful for you. Like we'll talk about everything, but don't tell me what grade you got. And, and if, as far as having that conversation, I would just straight up say that to people. Like that's an example of having boundaries and you can't make assumptions with boundaries, which is to say that you have to express them. You can do it nicely and in a way that is respectful, but if you don't, if you don't express those boundaries, how are other people supposed to know? And so it's as simple as, Hey, I love you. I want the best for you. Like, I want to talk about everything with you, but let's just not share like what grade we got. And if you're someone that wants to know what grade someone got, like, just ask yourself why, like, I don't think that information has to be secret, but just think like, well, why do I want to know? And then just get comfortable with that reasoning. And if you still want to have the conversation, then more power to you. It's so hard to decide, but I I've known my roommate for less than We've known each other for a couple of months now, but we haven't even been in the law school environment together yet. And we've already decided that we're not going to discuss grades with each other. And I think that it's important that we already have this discussion early on so that it's not something that we have to figure out once we're in the thick of it. Um, And I'm excited to just kind of like be going into this experience knowing that she's a collaborator and not so much a competition. (laughs) Can you guys hear the music in the Starbucks that I'm at? No, I'm saying I'm in the thick of it. You said I'm in the thick of it. I'm in the thick of it. Oh. (laughs) Well, Sarah, could you share? Because you said you've had that conversation. And like, it sounds like it was probably no big deal. So like, how did you, who brought that up? And like, how did that conversation go down? We were just like FaceTiming and out of the blue, because I had been reading, um, what is it? How to be sort of happy in law school. Um, I was reading that book and I was like, wow, it maybe is important that we try to like figure this out early on. 
And um, I just kind of brought it up. I was like, hey, I think that it would be a good idea for us to not discuss grief with one another, especially if we're going to be like living together and spending a lot of time in close quarters and probably be taking a lot of the same classes. Um, I know that I like her and I want to like, continue liking her. Um, and I don't want grades to be anything that like puts a wedge between us. That's amazing. I had an English teacher in middle school and she made us memorize this poem and she swore up and down. She's like, you will need every single part like of your life in some way will relate to this. And there's one stanza and it says, comparison will either make you vain or bitter. And I really have mm-hmm. taken that to heart because like, at the, for, like, what is it? Like you said, why do, why do you want to know? Like, it's going to make you feel better about yourself or worse about yourself. It's not really the odds that you're just like, oh, yeah, that's cool, you know, and don't think about it again are very small. So, um, yeah. And there's always going to be something to compare. And, like, we're never going to perfectly arrive at this place where we are so zen and we're so unaffected by everything that everyone else does. But there's whether it's grades, class rank, who got what clerkship? Well, you're on the ninth circuit and I'm on the second circuit. Like, what does that mean? Or, you know, who, like my firm is ranked at 22 on the vault rankings, but yours is ranked 86. Like there's always going to be something. And so, I mean, I would just consider it practice for like, what are your boundaries and you get to adjust them as you go. Um, and like, how can you like keep your eyes on your own mat, but still cheer for other people? Well, Maddie, thank you so much for being on. We don't want to hold you any longer. We've had a great couple or like 45 minutes talking to you. It's been a lot of fun. If you do want to leave any like parting words of wisdom to end off the send off series, uh, please give them to us now. Oh gosh, parting words. I would just say like, trust yourself. You are going to do amazing things. This is just the beginning. You are allowed to be nervous. If you're not nervous, don't like force yourself to be nervous just because everyone else is nervous. Trust yourself. You know how to be a student. You've already gotten your college degree. You're going to be an amazing lawyer. And I'm so excited for and proud of all of you. Thank you. And thank you for coming on. We will be excited to update you in a couple of months. I can't believe we're going to be starting 1L in literally less than two months. That's frightening, (laughs) but fun. Um, Thank you guys for listening this season. It's been a really fun season. We've had, we've had lots of cool people. We've talked about a lot. Um, This has grown more than I thought it would quite frank so fast. And I know it's because the space is needed. So thank you guys for sticking with us through this. And we will be back in August to share what it's like to be official one else with y'all. So thank you so much and bye.